0: No, I didn't hear you. All God's people said? That's more like it. First service was a little bit soft on something else later on too, so we'll see how you respond with that. I tell you what, it is so good to be able to speak and share God's word when you have terrific songs like this. It's almost like the preacher can just sit down and go home, right pastor? because you got it all there. That second song, the new one, Nate, is absolutely awesome. When you look back at those words, it's so powerful. And I noticed one thing, the background, Bart, that you have that flows across with the clouds, I absolutely, at one point, I could see a thumb, just the thumbprint, moving things across. The little reminder to me, it's kind of like when you sit outside and you share with the kids or grandkids the shapes of clouds, I could see that thumbprint, and it was a reminder to me. God's thumbprint is on everything we say, we hear, we do each day, and that's really the basis of what we're going to talk about today. And so it's easy to begin with those three simple words that you like so well. Grace. Mercy. And what's the third one? Peace. They are yours from God our Father through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we look at these scriptures for today, talking with Jesus, this is a really difficult section. I told Pastor Early Service, you could preach a whole series just on the Old Testament reading itself. But we're going to start with this idea, talking with Jesus. And in your weekly communicator, I specifically highlighted the words at and to. When we talk to someone, I'm reminded of my old grade school teacher, Mrs. Wright. Mrs. Wright was five feet high and five feet wide, and nobody, none of us 18 students for the entire eight grades ever messed with her. She'd shake her finger and she'd say, you and me are going to have a good talking to. it was poor grammar, but I wasn't about to say it, and nobody was going to mess with her. To talk to someone has a lot of meanings, but frequently today, and I'm going to center just today, to talk to someone usually means we have something we want to get across. We're going for a specific idea. We're going to make a specific, perhaps, complaint. Principal, do it, get ready. People are going to want to talk to you about their child, their family, Someone may even talk to you about another teacher. Just as people, good Christians, may do the same thing. Pastor always says, and he's absolutely on target, when someone comes in and says, well, I think you need to go and talk to so-and-so, his first question is going to be, have you spoken to them? Oh, no, no. I don't want to cause any waves. No, you want him to be in the waves. Give him a break. He just got back from a week at Camp Lone Star with how many kids? A bunch. A bunch. And when you have all that heat, very little water, it's a tough thing. He got back late Friday night. You know what? Give the man a break. Give the man a break and let him enjoy the worship as we did today the other one is when we talk at someone i have family members like this i come from a part of the country where i unabashedly say not proudly a whole bunch of my family are just hard-headed rednecks now i love rednecks rednecks are good people but my family that part of it usually has an agenda They want to talk at someone because they want to run them down. They want to show them they're wrong. They want to convince someone else, you need to see things my way. Or else it's the highway. To talk at someone is belittling. It shows no respect. It shows no proper courtesy. And it certainly does not reflect what we've been singing this morning. That leaves one option. Talking with Jesus. And when we talk with someone, there is a measure of courtesy back and forth. A recognition that sometimes that person is a peer on equal level with you. Sometimes we talk with someone as a principal or a pastor or a teacher who is over our children or over us and we recognize their God-given position of authority even while we respect them enough to listen back to what they have to say. Problem here is usually we're too busy thinking about what we want to say in answer to whatever they said, right? And that frustrates the whole thing. So we have two scriptures before us today that deal somewhat with this. Now I am going to be up front and tell you, I am going to characterize Abraham far more humanly than he probably was in this. But it's to get the point across. And then I'll do the same with the parable and the gospel. As we begin with Genesis 18, you know the narrative well. We just come off the fact that God has delivered the word to Abram and Sarah, you're going to have a child. Oh, by the way, 10 years earlier, they did have a child because Abram got antsy and Sarah said, why don't you have a child through my Egyptian handmaiden, Hagar? Hagar. Abram says, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And you end up with Ishmael, who is the father of every Arab tribe and nation in the world today. He is also the father of all those who become land-holding enemies to the children of Israel as they move toward the promised land. All those Middle Eastern battles, Those are family problems. It's not political. You can't deal with it as political problems. It's family problems. And there's no talking with one another. Coming off that. God says Sarah you're going to have a baby. And she goes right. And she laughs. And then the three men. Who are with Abram. Who had shown up unexpectedly and this is one of those places where we tend to say this could very well be one of the pre-incarnate appearances of Christ in the Old Testament where he's not just a baby in a manger some place in Bethlehem 2,000 years, 4,000 years later he's here throughout history as they talk It's revealed to Abram. By the way. You know that. That that settlement that your nephew Lot. Chose to live in. Down there in Sodom. It's going to get wiped out. Now this happened because. First of all. Abram didn't listen to God. God had told him. Abram I have set aside. This land for you. And what does Abram do. He goes over to his nephew and he says, hey, Lot, you have this or you have that. Why don't you take your choice and what you want first? It's like, no, that's not what you were told to do. But he put the choice. Lot, moved by his own selfish nature, said, instead of honoring his uncle and saying, Uncle, you take the good land, I'll take the poor land. Lot says, that's a no-brainer. I'll take the good stuff. And he ends up in Sodom with his wife and his two daughters. And it is a miserable, God-forsaken place. Wicked, evil, through and through. God says it's going to be gone. Abram, thinking of his nephew, says, Lord, what if there are 50 good people? Will you spare it? And God keeps going, okay, okay, okay. Abram lays this out, and he just keeps lowering the price of the purchase lower and lower until it's only 10 people. Now, please recognize, at this point, it's not that Abram has said, yes, I'm sure I can find 10 people. The key is the verse where it says at the end, when the Lord was finished talking with Abraham and it goes on I don't get to finish the conversations with God he finishes them he grants in his mercy he leads according to his perfect will he puts his thumb in my life and throughout this world even in things I don't understand I don't know why people are allowed to shoot up schools. I don't know why Putin is allowed to run roughshod over Ukraine. I don't know why we have such tribal conflicts in Africa or other places throughout the world. I know that evil exists. And I pray boldly each night, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let this stuff stop. I don't want my kids, my grandkids to go through this. And without hearing a visible voice, I said visible because the word is the spoken word of God on black ink, white pages, and it's run throughout our life. Even though I don't get that, I know what he says. Jack, I'm God. You're not. My will is perfect. Okay, Lord. The thing is Abram prayed boldly shamelessly as we sang and that leads us into the gospel reading for the day Luke 18 as we get into Luke 18 that's the next slide on there there we go it's the entire section and really this first part focuses on just a couple of verses. Jesus' disciples come back to him and they say, you know what? We saw John's disciples and they were praying. John taught them how to pray. Will you teach us? And at first we say, what? These are godly Jewish men. Didn't they already know how to pray? Well, yes. But what John was teaching was a Different kind of prayer for repentance, openness to God's Holy Spirit to change their lives and to receive Messiah. So the disciples come to Jesus, teach us, and he gives them these words. We call it the Lord's Prayer, it came from him. It's repeated in other places, there are segments of it appear elsewhere. This is the basis. And 1,500 years later, a rebellious monk named Martin Luther wrote a thing called the Small Catechism. You may have it at home in hard print. I challenge you to look it up either there or online. Just look up Luther, Small Catechism, and go to the Lord's Prayer. And you'll find that he broke it down into six Petitions. A petition is, in this situation, it's not something that you get enough signatures and you can get rid of a governor. It's not a petition in the sense that we come to you and we're saying we want a change of things. A petition, properly understood, is a humble request from a lower person to a superior asking. Will you deal with this? Will you right this wrong? Will you grant what we ask? And that's exactly what we have in the Lord's Prayer. Let your name be holy. It already is, but he's talking about let it be holy in me when I drive, when I run into difficult people, when I find someone who seems determined. To sabotage my life. My family. My work. Let you be holy in me. Let your kingdom come. Now we're not going to do all six. So relax. Let your kingdom come. There's nothing you and I can do. To stop God's kingdom from coming. But he's praying. Let your kingdom come To me let it dwell inside me in my heart in my life in my being so that I look like you Lord when you look these up and you go through them you'll see there's a theme it is bold shameless prayer that asks repeatedly and then Jesus comes to the next little section And even though I didn't put up the text, you can look it up for yourself. Verses 5 through 13, he tells a parable. Now, oftentimes it says, and he spoke to them in a parable saying, not this time. He just tells it straight out. What if you have a friend who comes back after a whole week of camp With all these kids, and he's hot, and he's tired, and suddenly someone shows up at his door at 10 o'clock at night. Now, don't pick on pastor. Let's put it on us. Most of us would just say, go away. I did that recently with a pizza delivery guy. Wrong address. 1030 at night. I went to the door prepared to defend my house and home and I was not going to let somebody in in this situation the person who is tired hungry, unexpected guest, goes to his best friend, maybe next door, knocks on the door and the friend inside goes, ah go away, and he goes, no I need help I need three loaves of bread just three loaves of bread your leftovers and Jesus said even though the man inside the house says I'm not getting up I'm not going to disturb my children who here has small children or grandchildren raise your hand please do you like letting them wake up and then trying to get them back to sleep no And people usually lived in a little one-room segment back in those days. It says, even though the man doesn't want to get up, doesn't even respond because of friendship, he gets up finally because the first guy is still standing at the door knocking, go, come on, man, I need help. And Jesus is painting a picture for you and me with our Heavenly Father. And he says, ask, seek, knock. And it'll happen when you put it in God's hands. We're now getting to the end and the very nugget of what Jesus is teaching in the Lord's Prayer. The next verses speak specifically to this. Which of you fathers, if your son is hungry and asks for a fish we'll give him a snake instead I'm not talking about april fool not talking about a prank at the lake i'm talking about a kid who is really hungry would you deny your child food and instead give them something that could hurt them it's a rhetorical question and the answer is no that was pretty good one more time no And if he asked for an egg, you would not give him a scorpion. This is what frames the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, even though you're not God, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Not only bread... Not only healing, not only relief, not only whatever is necessary in your life. He will grant his Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You see, the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is not about Jesus. The Lord's Prayer is about your relationship and mine with the triune God father son and holy spirit remembering that we have been redeemed we have been saved we have been set aside by god's grace and his mercy and therefore as his people we can come boldly shamelessly asking lord i know what i think i need unconditionally in jesus name I ask it. But I'm going to tell you, Lord, if that is not your best for me, don't do it. Give me what you believe is best. That's what this is about, the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, some months ago, I was able to stand here by your invitation. I thank you for that. And we had another message And it was basically all dressed up and everywhere to go. Now, I'm sure you all remember every word I said that day. Not. I don't expect that. I'm hoping you came away with one simple nugget. One person did for sure because they wrote a little thing, drew a figurine, and put it on Facebook. And my wife saw it. And it struck home with me. And it says what we want for today. It's this drawing. The person put down the title. All dressed up and everywhere to go. But they put the figurine wearing those gifts of the Spirit. Those fruits of the Spirit. Patience, compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, And that's what the Lord's Prayer is all about that we come boldly in Jesus name presenting our request to the Father trusting that in his mercy he will and in his wisdom answer according to what is best for us I, I still don't understand all the other stuff going on I still don't feel safe at times with stuff but I have Christ by my side and in my heart and so do you now the question is how do we get that kind of clothing into the hearts and lives of others and it means treating them with respect talking with them not at them not to them but with them listening And responding in Christ's love. That's our call my friends. May God grant us his Holy Spirit. That we continually live in this each and every day. And may you pray boldly each night. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus.